The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to the Paul Leslie Hour. I am honored that you're here. We're talking with Tony of the band Fastball today. Fastball, the much-loved trio from Austin, Texas. Always loved them. You've got to give them credit for tenacity. They've been hanging in there since 1994, a great rock and roll band. Tony Scalzo is a vocalist, an instrumentalist, a songwriter with the band. Their new release is called The Help Machine. It's out on CD, vinyl, and digital. It's getting a good reaction. Tony, how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm I'm great, and it's an honor to talk to you. Thank you. Would you say that the motivation or the driving force for fastball has at all changed through the years? Hmm. Yeah, you know, maybe because, you know, we're older guys now, and I think that to get into rock and roll, you probably have all kinds of motivations, you know. But now, you know, in our 50s, I think that music is the prime motivator. And, you know, as you get older, you get more proficient and you hear more things. So it feeds your feeds your uh, your muse and it gets you uh, expanding your musical horizons. And that's where we're at right now. And we're really loving it, actually. It's, it's really fun to get up and be able to... I think we play better than we ever have. And we, I sing better, I feel than I ever have, taking things a little more seriously than we have in sort of like our mid-period where we're, you know, kind of, we were kind of complacent after some hits, and I think we lost a little energy going into that sort of mid-phase, and we had to kind of like, and also the music business changed, so we had to sort of like figure out what was going on there. And we managed to get a little bit of a handle on it, I think, by now. And I feel like we're doing really well. And I feel like we're sort of up and coming (laughs) at this point. Interesting. So why would you say that you have that feeling of of being kind of sort of up and coming? Because we're coming at it from another direction. Because we're coming at it from a new way of doing it. Interesting. You were saying that in some ways it's easier now than it ever was? Well, it's easier to focus. Mm Mm-hmm. I see. You know, yesterday, my wife and I, we were driving down the road, and we were talking about how much the music business has changed. And nowadays, fans, they, they really, they, they want the music. And it's, in many cases, they're listening to it on Spotify, and it's free. You were talking about how things are changing so much. Would you say from that standpoint, it's harder in terms of that there's no, there's not as much record revenue? you're talking about making money and I'm, you know, that's one way of looking at this thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to ever make any kind of fortunes off of selling records at this point. I mean, that's over. Yeah. Uh, we have to basically earn a living by playing live, putting out new music, which generates, you know, people coming out to shows, more people hearing the music, you know, music is free now, basically for most people, it's $10 a month. Yeah, You know, what are you going to do? You can't fight it. But you can put out special things like vinyl releases and reissues of your stuff. And people go for that stuff. They like it. 
but it's mainly just to get your music out there at this point. Yeah. On the on the flip side of that, it's easier to make records now on a financial basis. It's easier. You can come into a studio for 10% of the cost that it used to be. You don't have to buy tapes. Less people can be involved. You don't have to travel to some exotic location in the Bahamas or wherever. You know what I mean? Yeah. To make a record. Major labels aren't in play that much. It's easier to focus when there's no A&R staff telling you what you should be writing or how this record should be sounding. That should be the bands and the composers and the singers' own business anyway, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Always should have been. And so, I mean, while you have to adapt to less revenue coming in on a, on a sales level, you get to make more music and you get to get it out to more people because more people are going to check you out because it doesn't cost anything to check it out. And if they really like it and they turn into a fan, then the chances are they're going to come to a show and they might buy a CD or a T-shirt and spread the word a little bit more. You know, I don't expect to make a fortune doing this. I've been lucky enough to, uh, you know, make a little money off the first round with in 98 with, uh, you know, our album, uh, All the Pain Money Can Buy. It sold over a million copies, so naturally there's money there. Half our money was going to a publishing company and a little bit to the label, and our manager was taking a ton. And, you know, so that money was spent by 2002. Then it was all about, what do we do? You know, how do we figure this out? You know, and we, uh, you know, now here it is, 2020. Everything's changed. There's no big machine behind us. We are the machine. We are the ones who make it happen. And uh, fortunately, I like the word he used at the introduction. He used the word tenacity. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it doesn't seem like, I guess trying is one thing, you know, and that's tenacious to to keep trying and struggling and everything. But it's turning out that it's less of a struggle to be creative as I've gotten older and miles too. Also, we've come together as grown men instead of like ambitious young guys who want to go and, uh, you know, seek fortune, fame and, you know, girls, <laughs> right. all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so it seems less, of, uh, less tenacious and more just like, this is what we do. This is what we know. Right. It's it's fun. It's actually a fun struggle if it's any kind of struggle. <laughs> From a songwriting standpoint, is there any kind of like healthy competitiveness between you and Miles? You know, I wouldn't call it healthy. As <laughs> as competitiveness enters into a creative work relationship, you're going to have problems and i think it's going to be a block more than any kind of fire under your toes or whatever i mean it's it's more of a block than a motivator there's a lot of headless and armless songs out there that you know we just sort of gave up on because you know one guy didn't like it it didn't get used or whatever and it just gets forgotten about as we move on and continue to write songs the, co- the competition is still there, but I find that as the competition decreases in this relationship, more creative impulses come together and we become more open and we listen to what each other is doing and um, help it along more than discourage it. There's no 
there's no attempt to try to get your voice heard over the other guy at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there was in the past. Oh, without yeah. Without a doubt. Sure. And I don't think that's special. I think the special part is that we're still together. Yeah, absolutely. And we never broke up, and we never stopped doing it. A lot of people think, you know, we broke up for a time and then we reformed. That's just not true. We've been going and we've been playing shows every year since 1994 when we started. You know, we've done at least 10 or 12 shows in some of those really slow years. And then, you know, it's picked up over the years. 2017 and 2018 were big, pretty big uh, road years for us, traveling uh, around the world a little bit, you know, going to Europe. We went to Europe twice last year. We were on a big tour with Everclear in 2017. And, man, that, that seemed like it would never end. That was eight weeks mm. <laughs> of playing, you know, six and five nights a week. So what is it like for you when you're on the road, you're in some place like Atlanta at Smith's Old Bar, and somebody goes up to you and they say, oh my gosh, oh, I love you guys, things like that. Well, it's okay. I mean, <laughs> it's not uncommon. It's not like 30 people are doing that. It's like three or four at every gig. They're super fans. Yeah. We try to you know, be as friendly as we can with those people. Nice. And we're, you know, we're open to talking to them and we know a lot of them on a first name basis. And I believe Harry Nilsson had a song back in, you know, the early seventies about how, you know, the first couple of years of your career, you're playing three shows a day to girls. And then the next 10 years later, you're playing for, uh, you know, the girls are there, but they're now ladies and they have a baby and they've got a sitter to come see you. And then by, you know, you've been doing it for 20 years. By that time, your fans, you know them all by name and they know you and you, you actually chat with them after shows and, you know, you get to let them know what's going on. And, you know, that's the rhythm of it. We played for a, a big audience of young people the other day just by chance because it happened to be a Bernie Sanders rally. So there's a lot of young people there, right? Mainly young people, all under 30. And it's been a long time since we played for people that aren't really familiar with our music or even familiar with, you know, the name or us or what we did. And it was weird because I felt like the kind of music we were playing wasn't really like the kind of music they really wanted to listen to. Hmm. But we were able to, you know, I mean, we... <laughs> We love it enough, and we're convincing enough in our enthusiasm that I think we it transfers, and people people sort of get it. But it's weird, though. It's for the first time in a while that I felt really, really like separate from the current pulse. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, this is a heck of a segue, and you're going to think that maybe you'll think this is weird. I don't know, but it was about oh, I think about two weeks ago. And uh, it was kind of what inspired me to start listening to The Help Machine. I was at a breakfast restaurant in Atlanta. And yeah. <laughs> I was in one of the stalls, and the way started playing over the speakers. And I heard the guy, <laughs> this is strange, I'm sure to say, but the guy in the urinal was singing along. 
to the song. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I came out to wash my hands. Kind of helps the flow. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I came out to wash my hands, and this guy, this fellow was probably about 14. And he was singing every single word. It's just, that's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> that's great, man. <laughs> now that makes me feel really good, you know, because I know that it's something that is going to help keep the light going, the fire burning, you know, for our thing. So I can keep doing this and I don't have to fight so hard. And you know what? If that's all the real, you know, celebrity or fame that we ever get is that stuff that we did in 98. I'm good with it, because you know what? It doesn't matter. <laughs> that stuff doesn't matter, and it's not fun to be recognized everywhere you go. Those were rough times for me back 98 to 2000. I was very recognizable, because I was on VH1 and MTV on a, you know, multi-times a day. And I didn't really like it that much. <laughs> it's hard to get things done. You feel weird every time you go to some place, some event. You're kind of always looking over your shoulder, and then you realize people are looking at hmm. you. And I could do without that, actually. I like the just the way things are, frankly. I would love more people to listen to our music and know our music and be able to play some bigger halls, you know, and fill them. But, you know, I'm not looking to fill a hockey stadium. I'm looking to fill, you know, theaters and stuff like that where people can really hear what you're doing and uh, listen to your music. It's not all just like a lot of times they put you up there and they just go, go, you know, and you're it's cranked up to 10 and uh, it's kind of you. the point gets missed. The musical point gets uh, overlooked and we're not going to get out there and start, you know, blasting T-shirts to people with our little T-shirt bazookas. And we're not we don't have a bunch of lights and pyro and we don't even have fancy costumes. We have nothing, you know, makeup. Uh, we don't even have shtick to speak of. Everything's off the top of our heads. We are into making people funny, you know, uh, laugh, you know, and be funny. But uh, it's mainly uh, improvisational. And, you know, that's what we do. So any recording on the horizons? We talk about it. I'm working on stuff right now, whether it becomes fastball things is still undecided but i'm not doing it with any of the guys in fastball i'm just sort of doing it on my own i don't know i'm i've written a couple songs i want to record them i don't want to wait for anybody there's a studio right down the street from my house my good friend chris burns and uh he's gonna engineer a couple songs for me i did one the uh i started in october recording this song and i just leisurely came in and out of the studio uh, and finished it up in the first couple of weeks of January. Just this is one song, right? But just going in a couple hours here and there, a week, maybe wait a week, let things sort of breathe and listen to it again later and come in and, you know, do some more work on it. I kind of been getting into that way of doing stuff, sort of like a big painting, you know, and doing it song by song too, so you can focus on the one piece instead of, you know, scattershot quilts, quilting, whatever. So, yeah, I mean, 
always working on new stuff and I'm going in the studio on Thursday. I'm going to try to do two songs and uh, two songs with the basic tracks, you know, with drums, bass, and maybe rhythm guitar. And then you just come back and you overdub to that and fix it all, add things to it, add colors, textures, you know, love it. That's what I do. Nice. Would you say Austin, Texas is a place that is friendly, that is hospitable to musicians and artists? I wouldn't say that like the first statement that I would make about Austin. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of taken for granted that Austin is a music center, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's reasons for that, obviously, real reasons, and some great artists come out of here and it's also a place where you can see all types of music on a given night for you know for very little effort and a little by little that's turning into a kind of cover band scene i've noticed while there are there are literally hundreds of original bands here in austin I think that they have to deal with people wanting less of a real live music thing, I think. Or maybe if it is live music, they want to hear stuff that they're familiar with. They don't want to sit and pay attention to anything, I think, with exception of a few people. So, I mean, all these bands that are playing, they'd love to play giant shows, I'm sure, but uh, it's not going to happen. It's mainly you know, 15, 20, if they're lucky, 50 people when they play, you know, locally. And hopefully they'll get a couple other bands on the bill and then it'll be like a little scene thing. You know, that's the way it's always been here. But now it's kind of obscured by the population. And, so, you know, you know, Atlanta's the same thing. We could talk about Atlanta and sort of have, a, you know, the same conversation. You know, fastball's got a history in Atlanta. Our... our Russell Carter was our manager for 15, 20, um, about 15 years. So we did a lot of work there. We uh, saw what the 90s did in Atlanta. We played at, you know, everywhere from the Masquerade to the um, the um, Tabernacle and, you know, played down in the Five Points and Little Five Points. Is that what they call it, right? Yep, or you am got I it. thinking of downtown New York City? Yeah, Little Five Points. <laughs> okay, so, you know, I mean same kind of thing there were scenes and there were bands and there's scenes and bands still exist but there's also millions of more people <laughs> scores scores <laughs> of you know people that aren't really interested they just want to do what's happening and so it's like any other city that grows um it, it was kind of a neat place where you could have okay so to answer your question specifically this was a place in the 90s, 80s especially. But when I got here in the 90s from California, you could rent an apartment, you know, your own apartment for 350 bucks a month. And so, yeah, two guys in a band could rent a two-bedroom apartment, not have to work, eat cheap, drink beer for free most of the time, anytime you played, play every night, Make enough money to pay your rent. Hmm. Those days are over. Yep. And uh, 
you'd have to find some other place to do that now. And I don't think you're going to at this point because, you know, even back then in the 90s, there were still 80,000 students here every year. So in a small town where there's only, you know, 400, 500,000 people, which is about the population through the 90s, that's uh that's a huge opportunity to play for lots of people to be top dog you know in a in a small city we're not a small city anymore so hmm. and atlanta is a big huge city <laughs> i like that atlanta has you know when you think about it too atlanta has more going for it than austin ever did atlanta's got jazz atlanta's got hip-hop atlanta's got r&b Atlanta's got rock and punk and folk and country, you know. Austin doesn't have all that stuff. We got some things you all don't have. We have Tejano music and, you know, Conjunto music and Spanish stuff. And we got hybrids of different kinds of music as is fitting for Texas. A place like Texas is super melting pot sort of place. But, you know, it, Austin is, it's good for music if you pay attention and you are focused on what you're doing you can get what you want to get done by living here for sure i get a feeling tony that you're a very honest person <laughs> I <try to> be. <laughs> <laughs> everyone out there they can check out fastballtheband.com fastballtheband.com also check out the facebook all that instagram as well Instagram, of course. And our website, fastballtheband.com. Absolutely. And the Twitter, of course. <laughs> We're not big tweeters, but but uh, do anyway. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but you're there. Yeah. Tweet about us. <laughs> Please do. And ch check, out the, check out the album, the latest album, of course, The Help Machine. Tell me, what is the best thing about being Tony? What is the best thing about having the perspective that you do? Hmm. I never, I've never considered, have you ever considered answering a question like that? I, I did one time, a guest flipped it on me. <laughs> you sound like my therapist. <laughs> but, um, I don't know, it's, I'm pretty happy with myself, as you can probably tell by our last couple, 20 minutes of talking. At the same time, I, I think there's a lot of room for growth, and I have to focus on, uh, you know, myself as well as the people around me. I have a family that's always growing. <laughs> and, um, you know, sometimes we forget about ourselves and we forget ourselves and in our activities. And, you know, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, it's a process of growing and unlearning stuff and learning new things. And I like that. I feel open to learning stuff right now and I don't feel like I got it all figured out and there's comfort in that hmm. so any parting words for our listeners before we go well you know we're going to be out in I know you're a na nationwide international podcast but you're based in Atlanta Correct. and we'll be coming out your way in April we're playing a show with Everclear in the Atlanta area. It's not in Atlanta proper. I'm not sure if it's Alpharetta or it's uh, some other satellite town like that, but we're coming out with Everclear and 
We hope to see you out there, and we're hopefully going to be doing a lot of touring this summer. So look for us and come out to a show. Excellent, excellent. Well, Tony, sir, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for calling, and uh, thanks for sticking to it. I was, I was, uh, half of me was wondering if you'd just give up. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I was having technical difficulties with the line, so I thought, let's go to the other one. <laughs> okay, well, listen, have a great rest of your day, and uh, hopefully we'll talk again. Absolutely. That'd be great, and have a good one. Pop, pop, doodly, zing, bang, doodly, knock, cock, cheap, da, boo. Bippity, pot, a cut, a she, da, po, pop, bed, like a teen. Oh, get a gig, madam, da, Oh, get a gig, she, like, a tilt, a collar, muck, a teen, luck, a punk, goodbye.